we are a part of that collection of two white men <laughs> doing podcasts. We're two queer white men. Does that differentiate us at all? Or does I, it? I totally helps with the topic. We're talking, talking about, about musicals. Yeah, we're talking about musical theater. <laughs> I'm Peter. And I'm Nathan. And yes, musical theater has gospel. And dancing boys. And fancy hats. So join us for the gospel of musical theater wherever you get your podcasts. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Now I tru- this truly feels like a celebrity interview that I've had this moment. Okay, Matt. Um, Boxers or briefs? Go off. <laughs> Welcome back to That's a Gay-Ass Podcast, the podcast that asks, whose fault is it that you're gay? It is me, Eric Williams, and it is a goddamn thrill to have Matt McConkie on the podcast this week. You know him from Homophilia Podcast, you've heard him on Bitch Sesh, one of my favorite Bravo podcasts of all time, and it is just so good to have him here. If you saw on the old Instagram, this podcast hit 100,000 downloads, and I am so, dare I say, proud. It's rare that I feel like we allow ourselves to say shit like that and actually be proud of ourselves and excited, and I'm just... So excited and grateful that you listen, and you probably saw that the way I celebrated was by posting a thoughty picture on the internet, because I am gay after all. What you might not know is that it also posted to my Facebook, which I never post to, and I realized that about six hours later that my 94-year-old grandfather would be zooming in on my bulge. So I hope that you will pray for me as I consider ending it all. I also want to say that uh, another slutty piece of news is that I went to Palm Springs this weekend to celebrate our wedding anniversary. I went to a nude gay resort. I got to walk around naked. I don't know what's going on. I think, like, is being in your 30s just about, like, hating yourself a little less so that you're allowing yourself to enjoy life more? I actually think that might be the case. And speaking of enjoying life more, I want to get into this fucking episode with Matt McConkie Grassy. We do, of course, talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. How could I not? We talk about his love of Judy Garland. How could we not? And of course, I asked about his cameo on one of my favorite shows of all time, Happy Endings. You're welcome. So if you like this podcast and you have not, click subscribe, do so, and... Write a five-star review saying that you're here, you're queer, and you love it. And of course, if you want to get some podcast merch, go to gayasspodcast.com for the gorgeous character actress sweatshirts. And yeah, they're available in baby onesies now. We've sold already a ton, and that is just... I, the, the fact that they're going to be toddlers and days-old children crawling around in the character actress onesie... I just feel like we're doing our part. Follow along at Gay Ass Podcast, and uh, I love you so much. Enjoy this up. Matt McConkie Grassy is on That's a Gay Ass Podcast, and I don't really get nervous for people, and I wouldn't say I'm nervous. I'm more anticipatory because I've been looking forward to this for my entire life, and thank you for coming on this podcast, Matt. Don't you dare. Thank you so much for having me. And I think 
it sounds to me like you're basically just bragging about your youth when you say all my life because <laughs> homophilia has been running for a long time. And, you know, there are people now like yourself who I think kind of grew up listening. I'm famously seven years old. So thank you for acknowledging my youth. Um, I bet you were actually very close in age and we're just going to, I mean, you're, at least your skin looks like it. God, thank yeah. you so much. I have the zoom filter turned all the way up. And I won't zoom any other way. There's a product you're using that you're not sharing with us. Is it is it retinol? Is it what's going on? Oh, I, I could talk products for days if you want to go there. Tell me your, um, the one that you think anyone who doesn't use is an idiot. Well, I, I mean, obviously, sunscreen almost goes without saying. Sure. Um, but if you can handle it, a prescription retinol, or I guess a retinoid, they would call it, is... <sighs> The I way need to, go. to do that. I need. I went to the dermatologist recently, and, sh- and the LA dermatologists are uh, on a different level. I moved here a year ago, and I just, I, 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 it truly was an experience. Like the ones in New York, I feel like don't care if you live or die. And the the dermatologists <laughs> here, if you have a single blemish, they call the cops, and they, and by cops, I mean the prescription. They call mm-hmm. it in, and I, I, I didn't get my prescription retinol, and I think that was a mistake. Well, you look like a living after photo. You look like <gasps> where we're all trying to get to with our retinol. So I I don't think you need to worry at all. It's a interesting. I'm going to the dermatologist shortly after we record because, I, again, you won't see it because of the Zoom filter. But I have – this is so unseemly to talk Say about. It. But a, one of those zits that like y- – uh, th- you can get them injected and they will go away within a day. There are certain ones that are just like a little home spot treatment's not going to do it. This is like a deeper thing. And uh, I know enough now I've had like skin issues my whole life. I know enough now that like when one comes up, I can tell when it's one that I got to just go in, get it, get it. Uh, it's a cortis- cortisone. Sure. I don't want to use this word, but I'm going to, is it one of a, is it a cysty one, a sister, if you will? It, it's not, but like it, could it could go there it could go but, I, but i've certainly had had cysties in my time well i if we're really getting into it when i turned 30 i all of a sudden was getting not cysties but i was getting moments that started like an innocent zit and then scarred before the day was done and i and the retinol has i've done like the non-prescription retinol and it's really helped but it really takes a toll on your on your soul it really does and my mom, when I was growing up, sold this product called Beauty Control, like a line. It was like Avon, like a you know pyramid kind scheme? of a cult pyramid scheme. Sure. And by the way, there's a TV movie about the feud between the head of Beauty Control and Mary Kay herself, <gasps> starring Shirley MacLaine as Mary Kay and Parker Posey as no. Ginger Heath, who was the head of Beauty Control, who was like a, she was like the Princess Diana of my house. Framed pictures of my mom with Ginger Heath in every room. Shut up. And it's called, I forget the name of it, but it's, it's great. It's essential viewing. Anyway, so I, I, my mom was, uh, beauty control was the answer to everything. And I was a kid who like actually just needed to go to the dermatologist. And so it was, there was a little bit of like a almost victim shaming when I couldn't get my skin together. Cause it was like, well, did you use your all clear solution? Did you use your all clear solution? You know what you really needed was Accutane. A hundred percent. Although, I mean, Accutane of course has some scary side effects. So I guess I'm grateful question mark i mean i well. was an accutane girly that um did not kms i did get very dry lips i will say that that okay. that, that did happen but um the, the funny thing is that your family tended towards the skincare pyramid schemes my family went cutco they went um have you heard of cutco no what's cutco 
Give me a guess before I tell you what it is. What do you think Kako might be? I, I, I'm guessing knives. Congratulations. Like, knives. Is that correct? right? It is. Wow. It's like knives that are too sharp to have around your children. Not that you should have any knives around your kids, but it's just like they, they would have, in my community, young Jewish people go to all the other Jews that they know and say, you need these knives. We had, I grew up kosher, so we had ones with white ends that were for dairy knives, and we had black mm. ends for the meat knives, and um, everyone I knew had Cutco knives at one point, and it was just my cousin doing his own pyramid scheme to get people very sharp, sharp knives. So we all we all had our, our things that we were uh, forced to confront. Yours was skincare, mine was brisket. <laughs> so this being said, I um I just want to tell you that I listen to Homophilia. I love have loved hearing you on Bitch Sesh. I think that's how I first actually became a very big fan. And then I also was just going through a beautiful trip down memory lane of yours, and I looked up and realized that you were on one of my favorite shows of all time, Happy Endings. Oh, wow. Yes, I I, I had like two lines on Happy Endings. Oh, and those lines were impactful. Those were impactful lines. I, I rewatched your your moment very recently, and um, if anybody doesn't remember, this is when Colin Hanks has a cameo. And then one Matt McConkey Grassy is Colin Hanks' assistant Beans. Anna, do you remember That's what your right. lines were? Uh, my first line was, "Do you have any cocaine?" I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. we're in the in the um, what do you call the like bumper at the end after the like oh during right the credits that yeah, that yeah. scene I'm in that scene too and I I I say so, I don't remember I re- I like repeat something that Colin said I I don't remember but. It was so fun. And I, I mean, the premise was that like Colin was a very, uh, I don't think we're supposed to say the word douchey anymore, but I'm at a loss for like, what is a... Can you not say douchey? More, I don't know. It seems, I can see it being problematic. I do feel like we need a new word for douchey and I, I'm, I'm at a loss to what that is. You can just say straight. Straight. Yeah. So Colin, <laughs> Colin was playing a straight version of himself and you know, he's, he is a straight in real life, but I was his very straight straight i i guess intern not assistant but intern i was corrected many times you're an intern <laughs> and uh you know so there it's just like these are like uh i don't know losery bros basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um when i came, when i came to the wardrobe fitting i walked in and the i was just wearing my regular clothes and the wardrobe person goes oh that is perfect oh my <gasps> god those those <laughs> nike's like that's hilarious that's so good and i was like great that's that's exactly why I wore these. I knew uh, yeah, it would I wore be them. Funny. I wore them to um, inspire your choices as a cop. Mm-hmm. That's devastating. Mm-hmm. I I love when someone's like, "Oh, I love your costume," and it's fully just simply from... oneself. Yeah. Were you? Do you consider yourself a straight dressing man? No, I mean I I don't. Uh, it's I'm, I'm wearing a Backstreet Boys shirt as we as we speak, and you know I I don't. I definitely don't. Straight dressing sounds terrible. It does. It kind of just um, brings to mind khakis, which I don't it does. think you're wearing cargo shorts right now. I'm certainly not. Um, although, you know, cargos are, are being reinvented and re-embraced in some interesting ways. I will say, I think just very, very broadly speaking about our people, there have... I live in I, I live in Eagle Rock and I lived in Los Feliz. So I, I live on the east side and just... Again, this is talking huge generalizations. It's a more of a, I don't know, hipster aesthetic, yeah, yeah, I yeah, suppose, yeah. which I, I'm certainly not. I don't really uh, fit into that category either. But 
I went out in West Hollywood a while ago after having been away. I used to be like such a WeHo dirtbag. Sure. And uh, I went out to like bar hopped with friends not long ago. And it was like, wow, everyone is wearing such tight t-shirts and such skinny jeans. It's just like everything, no one looks comfortable. (laughs) And I also think there's all, so many looks that I've never, I've never, like, capital L-E-W-K, I see, yeah. especially, not to generalize younger people, but I see people wearing a bejeweled look, I'm seeing cutouts, I'm seeing things that I, I almost maybe project my insecurity that I wish I had the moxie to pull off a look like that, when really, like, I... Very specific and, of course, pluggy example is that this podcast has now merch that is taking over the world. It's a character actress sweatshirt. It says character actress and, like, athletic lettering across the I front. Need you need it. And, in fact, I will be sending you one. However, uh, they I wore it into the, in the airport, and that, to me, felt so vulnerable. And I wasn't even wearing anything showing skin or anything that suggestive or gay. But I was in the Charlotte airport recently. I was traveling for work, and I got stared at. No less than 45 times, simply because it said character actress. And I, oh I I, was on the phone with my mom. And God, it was such an interesting experience to be like, sorry. I was trying to tell her something. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm getting so stared at right now. And my mom, I could tell it was a very, honestly effective moment to give her a little glimpse into what it might be like to be gay in a place that is not LA or New York, you know, because I grew Mm -hmm. up in the Midwest and being, and I guess Charlotte is considered the South, I guess. And she just said, can you try to ignore it? Like, I mean, that was her only way of like trying to help, but it, but anyways, all this to say is being gay is being hard. It's harder than being straight. And I just want to let her know that. And anywho, the straight, the straight tops and bottoms in WeHo was a far cry from the, the fashions of the East Side. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I do want, I, don't, I just want to encourage all of our people to mm-hmm. embrace a, a looser silhouette. And <laughs> sometimes, I, I mean, baggy is a scary word for people, but there are times that like that simply looks better Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. um and that's something that i think gay guys are very afraid of and i think that like that we've we've consumed a lot of i don't know older episodes of queer eye where the number one advice is just like tailor your shirts and that is great advice and no obviously i love all of our our queer eyes but I feel like we we maybe took that and ran with it a little sure. too far. I definitely know I did for a while. But don't you think that isn't Gen Z very much into the baggy world? I mean, there's there's like a wide pant that I'm seeing that maybe your wish is their command. Hundred percent. I guess I'm talking to the like the the Elder standard we we hoes of in, in their 30s and up that like yeah, yeah, aren't yeah. Uh, accepting that taking the cues um i do i want do i have permission to ask you a a fashionably controversial question please what do you what are what are you and what do we think are general gays in their 30s wearing underwear wise are you i'm usually not like a box and brief question girl but with you i've for some reason feeling inspired to ask where do you land well, I honestly don't think I've ever been asked, and oh, it's good. such oh, a, oh, a thrill. I, it, I th- now I true this truly feels like a celebrity interview that I've had this moment. Okay, Matt, um, boxers or briefs, go off. <laughs> <laughs> I I pretty much wear briefs, um, and mm-hmm. it's you know it's really more of just like a a comfort thing. And a while back, 
somebody that was sponsoring the podcast and now I can't even remember the name of the company and I, I have so many pairs of their underwear. <gasps> One of those podcasty underwear companies. And it was like, oh, this is the exact right balance of like something I can wear to sleep in. It's not too tight, but also if I'm, if I like work out in the morning and I haven't showered yet, I can, I can wear them. And they're also, it's, there's also enough for that. Where it gets tricky is like you're going to bed and you don't really want to put on full pajamas. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's like, just cold enough you don't want to take your t-shirt off and so there are times i'm going to bed in like a t-shirt and briefs and that's such a tricky look for my poor <laughs> husband to have to witness i mean unfortunately that's a look that i rock many times at night which is the brief and tea which i guess it's almost giving like eight-year-old watching nickelodeon i mean it's yeah. a little it's a little that i thought you were going to go into the territory of the briefs are great for um, during the day and then if you are going to an underwear party at night i don't know why maybe it's because i'm going to palm springs soon and that's why it's uh, on top of mine because i feel like that's very rampant a there, city of briefs yeah a city of briefs city of briefs but it, it yeah i'm in process of um boxer briefs to sort of full-time briefs and i think that's just where society is going and i need to catch up mm. Yeah, and and I think that boxer briefs have their place, and I think that regular boxers have their place too. But I, well, I don't know. I I, I guess I, I I'm not basing this on any science or or even real knowledge, but I do worry about um, similar reason that that people wear bras and they're concerned about what will happen if you don't for long term in terms of things gravity taking hold and i i do worry about that a little bit in the you know male genital area and i think that is a low-hanging concern yeah and i think that also that has kept me away from being a full-time boxers person wait i've never heard that i mean this is truly me admitting that i think i'm dumb is that so wait wearing a bra it, it helps the breasts not droop further is i this, don't is this founded and absolutely not like okay, i said okay. like i you know i i, I guess it's just that's the I don't know. Feels like the easiest equivalent, but you know. I mean, I don't I'm, want. I don't want to be twenty years, thirty years, forty years down the line and whip my hair back and forth, but with my scrote. I don't want that. Right, right, right. And and so in my mind, I'm thinking that I'm helping prevent that by wearing briefs a bit. I don't know that I am. You probably are. Are you okay with committing to coming back on the podcast in thirty five years and letting us know where your balls lie? Absolutely. Okay. And I, yeah, and I hope that it will still, there will still be a video component so there can be like, well, at that point, I think, yeah, I think at that point we'll be live streaming from Mars and you will be in everyone's home, um, showing off and you're peeling off <laughs> the skin from your thigh. <laughs> I can't wait. Well, uh, speaking of uh, being so excited for the future, I'm excited for the answer to your question for the podcast question, which is Matt McConkie Grassi. Whose fault is it that you're gay? Who do we blame, babe? God, I was thinking about this, and I, I, I'm sure this is everyone's answer. It's got to go to my mom. Mm. You know, I could, I, I, I mean, Judy Garland certainly played a role. Again, like none of these are fresh takes, but I think that even, even my access to Judy Garland comes back to my mom. Wait, wait, that's actually, no, you'll be surprised that we don't have as much Judy Garland discourse as I would like. And it's so funny you say that. I am sitting, I would show you, but I, I don't have the, the dexterity. I am sitting next to 
real story, a pair of ruby slippers in a glass case in my bedroom that my husband purchased and I still do not know how much money he spent. It is like the closest thing to a replica that you can get that's not like in the Smithsonian. And um, I'm I'm staring at them in a glass case next to me. So Judy, oh my Judy God. plays a role, Matt. Judy plays a role in our home. And sorry, was that, did he get that for you or for himself? Oh, for himself, babe. I mean, fully, it wow. was like, you know what it was is we were, we've been together for, God, get in close to a decade and we probably three years in we were living with roommates in queens new york and out of the blue he got this package and told me he was very excited he pulls out the ruby slippers they're shimmering in the light he tells me he's been following this person on instagram they like are really good at these replicas and my problem is that i'm like we weren't even like married or combining finance. It was like, how much was it? And he still, he, he, he just said more than probably I would want. So, um, it seems it, priceless to me. It does. And honestly, at this point, we, he was watching a documentary last night about the Wizard of Oz making and how this scarecrow had a full number that was cut from the movie because of, of course. time, uh, talking about, Judy Garland's sense of humor and the way that she connected to Over the Rainbow and why this song is still connected to her. But did your mom show you The Wizard of Oz? Is that why you you fault her? Yeah, she definitely did. Um, I don't even remember the first time I saw it. I don't ever remember not it not being in my veins. Um, I know that I had for maybe like my fourth birthday, a Wizard of Oz party where our Neighbor from across the street, Rose Hubschman, who I have since attacked on Facebook for being a Trump supporter. I'm so sorry, Rose. But at the time, she did something very non-Trumpy, which was to make me a gingham dress (gasps) that I could wear to my fourth birthday party because she knew how much I would love it. And everybody had pink balloons and my mom's friend who was an artist drew character faces on the different balloons and i had a rainbow cake and i (gasps) I think somebody put a little pink bow in my hair like i was a full judy garland drag queen you weren't a friend of judy you were judy 100 percent we made sure to have that while my dad was at work uh (laughs) you know in order to avoid the inevitable violence that would ensue. Um, and I was wondering uh, where the male energy was, why it wasn't tampering this. Yeah. I'm not joking. That that story almost makes me a little teary because what you experienced is probably the dream of so many young gay boys. And you had the party of, I mean, that to me is what's it called in India and in like in where you have reached th- th- that enlightenment enlightenment maybe i feel like it's got to be a better word at four years old you you peaked yeah it was it was really something and my mom was always doing that kind of stuff for me and then in 1989 it was the 50th anniversary of the movie and so there's just merch on merch on merch i was nine years old living my best life there is a to this day not even a room, but like the like the whole upstairs hallway of my my parents' old house is all Oz merch wow. and books and puppets and dolls and 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 like all of those um, collectibles that you would see you'd have ads for in the TV guide, like the Franklin Mint kind of yeah. things, everything. The like centerpiece of it all was this little 
shelf with, um, I guess they're not porcelain, but they look porcelain, like extremely intricate, beautiful figurines of all of the, and that was like, the, I was given that piece by piece. It was like, <gasps> based on good behavior, I would get one Munchkin <laughs> and then I would get a Glinda. And then it was like all, of course, leading up to getting Dorothy. And it still does like the tug at my heartstrings in a certain way. Anyway, my mom came to visit us. Uh, like now this was a couple years ago and she came and had a giant suitcase and she opened it and there was so much bubble wrap and she brought me that <gasps> shelf with each oh of the figurines God. and somehow made it here. So I, if I could, without fucking up the microphone right. i would i would show you um we're both surrounded by oz <laughs> merch what if you were if someone were to ask your dad how he feels about the movie the wizard of oz what do you think his response would be god that's a good question i i don't even i just like that he's surrounded he, by so much faggotry and i'm like what is his take yeah what did he make of the actual it, that's interesting because i mean he 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 definitely rejected my uh interpretation of of that art and my you know celebration of it mm-hmm. how he felt about the art itself I, I had never even thought about i bet he's never even thought about he does have dementia now so like does he even remember the wizard of oz i don't know but i don't i don't think he had anything against i'm sure i mean what, what's not to love about it listen you know? like when it comes when it goes into from black and white to color who who among us cannot be gooped and gagged if you will Absolutely. um i think that's a really i mean a, a, a beautiful tale and i hope that you get to write the gay glass menagerie about the intricate trinkets that you were able to get over the years. I do want to let you know that we do host fun parties at our apartment right by Silver Lake, and you will be invited, and you will come see in our guest bathroom the Wizard of Oz poster that is hanging there. Oh, I cannot wait. I'll be there. I cannot wait either. Um, So, uh, speaking of important pop culture, I'd be remiss if I did not ask you about The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, just because you have guested on Bitsesh and you are very much a part of that culture. How are you feeling about Kathy and Kyle's relationship, again, maybe being fucked up because of the show? I mean, do you think that there's hope? I'm I'm hopeful that there's hope. I will say at our time of recording, part one of the reunion aired last night and I had to save it for various reasons. So I haven't seen mm. the latest, mm-hmm. but I have a lot of thoughts. I, I was told by a reliable source way before the season started to air that, you know, this, this feud was coming and it was, you know, which whatever, a lot of people do that, but that specifically in Kathy's tirade, I, th- I I think it happened at the that club in Aspen before mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the 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 tirade at the house with Rinna mm-hmm. that she used the N word and the F word and I, I don't think that that has become part of the conversation yet and I don't know if it's because it is like maybe people are afraid of her and they don't oh. want to re- or maybe it was just a rumor and uh, you know I, I I now I'm afraid I'm we're going to get sued by Kathy <laughs> feel free to cut this out so we don't get sued by. Kathy's um, lawyers, but Rinna has no principles as we know. So if that were the case and she had that information, I can't imagine her withholding it, but I've been waiting for that bombshell. That's true. And it's not, it's not a part of the conversation. What I find really interesting is there was a release scene, like a deleted scene that they had showed about 
Erica outing Kyle in front of the group for basically Kyle saying, I'm glad that someone else saw this because it shows what I've had to endure. And I'm a surprised that they haven't shown that more openly and not just a deleted scene, but it really does. I'm a Kyle apologizer since the beginning. I, that family to me is important. I think having a Mexican Jewish husband who loves weed is very important to me, let alone the things I would do to him physically with his consent. Um, but, I think Kyle is very worried at her core about maintaining the love of her family. But I think she was playing with fire by even saying a word of that, even to just any cast member on or off camera. I think it's true. And I I, I think that like most things, two truths both... um are true. I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know what they say, that, two that, truths are true. Two truths are true, baby. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, like you're saying, Kyle was genuinely, like, has had this hard relationship with Kathy and off-camera has had to endure a lot from both of her sisters, mm-hmm. who I have a lot of love for, but are clearly both very unwell. And that, like, there probably was part of her that like, that's like, well, everyone just thinks that Kathy is a good-time gal, and I am... You know, it might be nice for there there to be a little bit of transparency there. And also, Rinna being a complete monster who just wanted to help get the spotlight off Mm -hmm. of Erica and to throw herself into the middle of a a huge explosion in order to secure her next season. All that stuff. I think both of those things are true. I I agree with you. It's also one of the most naive things that I've realized about myself is that I used to be able to take things from much at much more of face value when watching these things. And like, and by what that I mean, like believing what people say and, uh, and what they are, what image they're putting out into the world, because obviously these shows are people really curating how they want people to view them. But one of my favorite parts is when Kathy Hilton says, you know, I do not have a temper. I do not. I'm not that type of person. And then Lisa Rinna goes, well, what do you call that? And then Kathy's like, I lost my temper. I mean, it's like, okay, well, you, (laughs) one might call that then you having a temper. It's like you, I would never, I mean, of course, Erica Jane is the same way. Like, well, I don't know, actually. She probably shows who she is more than the others because everyone's like, Erica, shouldn't you say that you care for these people? She's like, no, I want my fucking earrings. It's like, maybe to her credit, she's just a monster who is showing that she's a monster. Yeah. And I think she also, it just doesn't, quite have the foresight to understand that like compassion does not equal guilt, even though I do believe she totally knew something had some level of knowledge putting that aside. What's not up for debate is that she had her, she benefited from the suffering of those people. Yes. Even if she didn't know that she did, she benefited from it for a very long time. And it is still incredibly sad what has happened to them. And like, yeah, she needs to clear herself legally. She also needs to, like, win back the the love of the audience. Clear and herself morally. Exactly. And, like, that's such an easy way to do it. And it's just so dumb of her to think that, like, oh, all I need is to be declared not guilty in all of these uh, lawsuits and I'm absolved. It's Sweetie, like, that ship has sailed. It's not yeah. – I don't think that non-guilty – ruling is going to do as much work as you think it's going to do right i do need to ask you though a question that has been swirling the interwebs do you think lisa rinna will be back next season god it's hard i mean the you know 
the way that she seems to have like scrubbed the show from her social media presence and is not going to BravoCon and all of those things that people are talking about, those signs do point toward not coming back. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know. It, I guess the bigger question is like, if you, if you force a storyline and we can all see you forcing it, but it still does create a storyline. Have you earned your paycheck? Have you earned yourself a second season? Cause in, I, I think there's an argument to be made that she has as much as I think she's a demon from hell. That's a, I mean, that take though is very, I think it's a really well-informed take because we know what happens on Beverly Hills when no one is pushing that story forward. It's oh. much, it's Munchausen. Uh, conversation it is panty gate it is like fucking let me sit on a knife it just like it so maybe you know it's just like every show needs the villain and maybe while she her means are a little over the top or not even over the top it's just like just so so blatant blatant and transparently yeah tacked full tactical it's like it's maybe that's what they actually need but i don't i will i'm excited to reunite with you for next season and see what what the actual case is we do know that diana will be gone and that is uh set in stone that's fine that's meant to be that is fine say hello to a new era of mental health care cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I do also need to ask about your beautiful relationship with your husband, Michael. Um, do you know that your name is Matt? My husband's name is Matt. My yes. twin brother's name is Michael. And my younger brother's name is Matt. Do you think wow. that in our generation, our, th- that parents did not have any creativity with names? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I was named that because my grandpa, father and dad were both known like locally in our town as Mac because of McConkie. And so uh, the logic was that they wanted something that sort of paid homage to Mac. But like the problem is I'm already a Mac because I I have the last name that they have. Like their first names. Yeah. So it was like, I think they, they liked the sound of, of Matt McConkie, but yeah, it's tough. And I, I mean, you know, Grassy's my husband's last name, and I'm in the process of taking his name legally, partially just to rid myself of McConkie. But I also have come to realize that I'm, you know, I'm famously not famous, you know, deeply not a famous person, but have been have, have been just like on the on the fringes of 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 like, I don't know, podcast world and the comedy world long enough that like there are a handful of people that will recognize my name. And I I'm not in a position to like let go of any any Matt, vague recognition I have, so... so I haven't let go of. So I, I think we're landing on like I'm going to be Matt McConkey, quote unquote, professionally to whatever degree I have a profession. Yeah. Which I you are the and most humble person I've ever fucking met. This is why I'm I adore you. This... You are so. I mean, I I know you're not. You were. I want to make this very clear. I know you were not fishing, but I'm. I need you to know that. People know Matt McConkey and people and I and I think that this dilemma is is very is very real. And also I myself have not changed my name because Matt, my Matt wants me to change my last name to Lummis, his last name. And I have had an existential crisis and I um, am a there's zero reason to compare and i'm not doing a compare to spare i'm just saying like my ego it is glass is like but four people know my last name and it's like it's i get what you're saying it's so many things about being gay i think when you get married and just being a fucking human being that choosing which parts of straight culture to to embrace on our own terms is a really real dilemma and i want when we have kids one day i want them to have Matt's last name, and I would love to be the Lummis family, I think, but also what my identity, I question, I question that part of it. I mean, have, when you and when you and Michael started dating, were you, or actually when you got engaged, was that something that even popped into your head about changing your name, or did it sort of happen organically? It happened organically. I mean, I always just love the sound of his name. I mean, I, I wanted to get rid of McConkie since I, I moved to LA 20 years ago. And I think you're, you, you've hit on something, which is like, if you are in entertainment in any way, you either have to change your name before you have done anything mm-hmm. at public at all, mm-hmm. or when you are, you know, Courtney Cox and you can just become Courtney Cox Arquette for a while and then drop it because <laughs> you're Courtney Cox. 
Um, and you know, anywhere in between, it just becomes tricky. And, uh, but there was a part of me that was like, I obviously have a very complicated relationship, not even that complicated. I just don't have a relationship with my dad as I've alluded to. Mm-hmm. It's actually completely fine. And, but there was part of me that was like, it's kind of nice to like shed that. There's another part of me that's like, I wanted to change my name before I joined SAG in like 2003, but it, I, it, I didn't have the chance. It was like, it, hap- it was sort of happened by mistake. And right. I just had to run and run with Matt McConkey. And so there's also a part of me that's like, well, now's my chance. Um, but I think the big thing was, I don't know if we're going to have kids, but if we ever do, I would never saddle them with a McConkey name. <laughs> and I, but at the same time, I don't want there to be two or three grassies and I'm the odd man out. So, right. It's so, ugh, it's a layered predicament, but I do think that Matt Grassy is, is a, not only, a great ring, but kind of a sexy name. I mean, Michael Gray. Yeah, thank you so much. Very sexy. I, yeah, it's. I, I mean, I'm sure he's probably a little bit afraid that people will. If I just go by Matt Grassy, people will start to get us confused. And I'm kind of hoping that they get us confused. <laughs> so I can benefit from that a little bit. But I will tell you, like when we. Uh, I mean, I, I for such a long. Anyone who's ever heard homophilia knows that like my personality for such a long time was I'm getting married. And then, and then it was, I just got married <laughs> and now it's like six months, however many months have passed by and I got, I have to find a new personality, but I will just say quickly about our wedding. We did a, we sort of had a, there was like a cold open of, of, to the, to the, to the show, which was a scene, a sex in the city scene. And like my four best girlfriends played the four women and they did a, a like a scene that was sort of, it was just excerpts from different Sex and the City moments. But the the idea was kind of like Carrie and the girls go to Matt and Michael's wedding and they're waiting mm. for it to start and they're chatting about it, whatever. And there, and, and there was a question in the scene that was like, do you think one of them would take each other's name? And the other one's like, I don't think so. They're dudes. And the other one's like, you know, dudes is <laughs> like putting it uh, <laughs> a bit of an exaggeration, whatever. And then the end of the wedding, our, our uh, we hadn't really told people that I was changing my name. And the, our, our officiant said, and I present to you Michael and Matt Grassy. And so there was a nice bookend, <sighs> like just sort of simply for the drama of it. I was going to say those grassies know know how to create a narrative arc. Oh, wait, was there not only applause, but gasps when they announced the, the, the couple's last name? I think so. I mean, I haven't gone back and watched any of the videos and I was fully out of my body at that moment in time. And of course, uh, of course. So who even knows? But I, I understand making your whole personality. I literally, our three year wedding anniversary was last week and I, oh, happy anniversary. Thank you so much. I just, you know, it's, it's hard not to get gay married and not stop and to and, and ever stop talking about it, especially. Yeah. When you have a Sex in the City cold open, I think. And also, can you tell the listeners what your dress code was? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, well, we had two. It was um, Friday night. Like, the welcome party was Call Me By Your Name Casual, mm. which was basic. And by the way, we made it also very clear on our, like, wedding website that it was like, you can truly whatever wear whatever <laughs> the hell you want. This is tr- only for fun. I do have friends who will take it very seriously and very competitively, but... Call me by your name casual was just meant to be like flowy looks and and pastels and, you know, things you'd wear like a, like a long, you know, luncheon, like in the Italian countryside or something. 
And then the wedding was simply fashion forward. And it was just like, take a risk, wear something inappropriate, wear a bold color, mm-hmm. do a costume change. We had a few of those. Oh my God. Um, it certainly doesn't mean we need to see labels, but also if we do, that's fun too. Um, Did anybody so, just do like a sweatshirt that said Balenciaga? I got, you know, there was somebody I'm trying to remember who did have a, uh, I can't remember. I mean, June Diane Raphael, to, just to, to drop a name of, of my dear, who also played Carrie in the cold open. Um, she wore like a, like show stopping dress that was so, as she has said, it was like there was a slit on her leg that actually was above the level of her <laughs> vagina, but it was, you know, just a strategically placed and kind of a Jessica rabbit, you know, strapless yes. thing that was like just covering the, I mean, it was so hot. She looked amazing. There were, there were just a lot of great looks. My mom got this, you know, very sort of mother of the, of the groom, um, light blue it looked like something that like queen elizabeth would have worn and oh, she yeah. was so she was feeling herself so deeply and isn't it and, such a gift to throw a gay wedding and make people feel that they can let their freak flags fly i also find that the mothers of any person getting married i think it's kind of hilarious when they're of course always wearing a kind and your mom looked i'm sure absolutely stunning but i noticed a lot of weddings the mothers are always wearing the gaudiest sparkliest <laughs> floor-length gown and i find that to be such a beautiful trend i do love it what, what was your wedding like what was there a dress code what was the vibe you know it's a good i think our dress code was probably just like look stunning and we we had one of those like you know, we got married in Atlanta, Georgia, where Matt is from. It was a pretty Jewy wedding because of my family. And people just, a great example is a friend of ours wore a pink, a really beautiful kind of tight pink dress. And then she dyed her hair pink and wow. just really wanted to come in with a look. Um, we, I wore, we both got down to unhealthy weights and then wore um, really tight, uh, beautiful suits. But um, I will say that. It was just kind of like it was a a a hundred and sixty person wedding that we like you know, I think we almost in ways it was traditional in terms of like the Jewish stuff and the wedding stuff, but also like we had a very we had a butch lesbian DJ that played Beyonce and Club Bangers. So I think it was gay enough, but also like made the grandparents feel okay which you know if we were to get married now would it be different honestly probably i mean i've said this before we'd have more gay people there because we now live in la and know literally 500 more gay people but all this to say no weddings are better than gay weddings and i think that is a scientific fact yeah it's true and so you must have gotten married right before the thing you must have been the last big event before the pandemic Yeah. yeah october october 12th of 20 19 so we went to italy for our honeymoon right after and then a few months later you know um but i do i do speaking of of gay people we have to ask you the famous podcast question which is matt grassi if the world was ending you could only save one character actress who would you save oh god i mean i'm just gonna show you a mask that sits by my desk that I wear sometimes. This is a Jen- I, I be the, my Jennifer Aniston love knows no bounds. I mean, I know she's not a character actress, but it would, 
It would be I don't against know, it would be a betrayal scruples. if yeah. I didn't say Jen Ann. If I had, but if we if I had to rule her out, I don't know. I'm going with. Part of me wants to say Jane Adams. Part of me wants to say Parker Posey. Mm. But I think I'm going Ann Dowd. Oh, you know, that's such a I I saw an Ann Dowd clip the other day about her hydrangeas. I think that you retweeted actually. That was uh, Margot Martindale, who oh, I was shit. also up there on my list. I mean, I'm easily confused. You're right. God, that was not a that was a bad gay gaff if I've ever heard one. Um, not but no, at all. No. A- and doubt is a great answer. I, I though I do need to um, name drop that you uh, have famously worn many Jen Aniston masks, like 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 COVID masks, right? I didn't. I, I know. I wish I had a Jen. Aniston I thought COVID you mask. like I wore this sash- mask that I showed you. I I wore and a bit. I like. I came out in a at a bitch sesh live yes. show wearing this, and I mean, I just have. This has been given so many like joke gen gifts over the like you can see behind me a calendar at my birth mom oh makes me yeah every year, a clock that my friend shira gave me so judy and just, jen judy and jen are really jen. the t- the jays that made you gaze yeah and the fact that jen didn't get to play judy in the biopic is you know a tragedy but do you do you someday. have a jen aniston impression or you just love her as a person I I don't have an impression. I I, I just want to hear Jen Aniston. Someone do an impression of Jen Aniston as Judy Garland. Um, I have no idea what that would look like, <laughs> but I bet we could buy a cameo and make that happen from someone. I would do anything. Um, who is who is yours? My character actress. Yeah, that you would save. My answer, I think, changes every single week because I think like. My Jen Aniston is Whoopi Goldberg, and I think that, yes, she is a character actress in a way, but I think that there are people that... I mean, Parker Posey, I think, would be up there because truly, in addition to Whoopi Goldberg... Waiting for Guffman was a very huge... I I know exactly where I was when I watched it for the first time. I know exactly what I felt. I just... And also, being from St. Louis, Missouri, and the fact that this made-up town is Blaine, Missouri, and then Parker Posey being... I don't. There's. I just somehow, of course, saw myself in Corky St. Clair just because of how fucking gay he is, but also Mm -hmm. in Parker just like sort of being... (laughs) As sad as it sounds, I think she, you know, working at the DQ, they'll always have me back at the DQ. I think just like she was a bit resigned to her existence. And at the time, I was really closeted and I was resigned to the fact that I was never going to be who I was, but I was going to try to, you know, maybe put on a show every now and again. And that's who I was in that moment. And then I guess I've become quirky now. Except less, except there's no swimming in my show. I think I'm, I think I'm actually doing better than Gorky because I made it out of Blaine. You absolutely are. But I think Parker would be one of my answers because of how much I felt, I felt seen by her. I, that's a great answer. I love her so much, but I, I know we, I know we have to go, but I, I, I really sat up when you said whoopee because you, I'm sure you've talked about this, but the, the first sort of like, performance i remember falling in love with the first time i had ever thought i ever thought about like playing characters writing was whoopie's um broadway show yeah i think was hbi's special yes that, did steven spielberg direct it that or he he produced it or something yeah that's that sounds right i mean that is such a good deep cut because isn't it her career i was reading about her her career is like that was I think what made her like got her to a list status. Yeah, she, I, th- I think she was performing it in and in and maybe smaller theaters and it yeah. got bigger and bigger. And at some point, she was brought out to L.A. by mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg to do a show like in I don't know in his 
home theaters. I don't remember the story, but like it was just it's so odd that I felt, you know, she one character she does is a little girl who is like wearing a towel on her head. Mm -hmm. And she's like she's sort of like like fetishizing the idea of being like a white girl with long, beautiful blonde hair. And I obviously was having a very different experience as like a young white boy in Ohio, but I still felt so seen by that because it was like, I also want to have long, beautiful blonde hair. And, she, you know, she obviously has like such a queer sensibility. Yeah, well, it's also like wanting to be something that you were not or maybe wanting to be able to express yourself in ways that you weren't allowed to or whatever it was. I, I think when I think about that Whoopi show, it takes me to right now even though i'm not in new york to see it kate berlant doing her show downtown i've heard nothing but incredible things and what that has made me think about is what i think that you are really good at and i am trying to be good at is that if we are born in a world that is not doesn't see us with the value that we see ourselves societally whether it's because we're queer or otherwise i think that whoopee and you and Kate are, are people that have created the things that are are our sensibility and include our magic. And then that shows the world what we're capable of. And that is like, because I think, you know, if Whoopi, especially at that time, were to walk into any important person's office, of course, it's not going to be like, put her, on the, put her in the movies, get her on the marquee. It's like, no, it's like you see how magical she is. And then that, and then all of a sudden the opportunities become endless. And that is something that I aspire to. And I, and I respect you for doing it. And I, oh, um, please. I'm so, I, I mean, the fact that you put my name in a sentence with Whoopi and Kate Berlant, gays are driving off the road right now. As we speak, <laughs> it's very, very kind of you, and I refuse to accept it. But like, yes, I, but I, I, I agree about them, not not myself. But I agree. Um, do you? So since we do have to leave, what is uh, the the final question of this podcast? I did not prep you on Matt McConkie Grassy. What is the best Whoopi Goldberg film? Oh my God! I mean, I guess I have. To say the color purple, I mean, that was also so formative mm. for me as a kid. But I, I have, also have a real soft spot for Jumpin' Jack Flash. Oh. That also is a very gay movie. A lot of people have been saying that recently, and I, I think that it's a very good answer. I, just because I need to now fish, um, were you ever a Sister Act 2 um, fan? Or oh, is it something... God, of course. I can't even believe I'm just I making left sure you're, I'm just making sure you're on the right side of history. That's just making sure you, I can 100%. still be friends with you. Okay. Um, Matt, thank you for coming on the podcast. And now where can people follow you? Thank you so much for having me. This was such a joy. Um, and I'm on Instagram at the Matt grassy and homophilia comes out every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, Eric, by the way, we'd love to have you on. This is not a quid pro quo, but this has just been such a lovely conversation. I want to continue it. I know Dave Holmes, who I do the show with, will love you. He's also from St. Louis. You'll have a lot to talk about. Oh my god, Dave Holmes from St. Louis. No, that is a true making my fucking Dave that you said that. Of course, I'll come on in a second. And to be continued, Matt, I will see you at our next party with our Judy bathroom signage. And um, I can't wait to continue this beautiful new bond. Thank you. Me too. I'll be there. I'll bring my figurines. (laughs) 
Y'all, Matt was not lying. I'm recording for Homophilia Podcast very soon. Shitting myself, I'm so excited. So hang tight for when that episode comes out. I will obviously be posting about it nonstop. And if you've not yet left a five-star review, why don't you head to your app right now and do so? It's the only way that this podcast is actually shown to other Fagatrinis and straight Alinis who love the Guinies. I love you so much, and I'll see you next week, girls. We are a part of that collection of two white men doing podcasts. We're two queer white men. How does that differentiate us at all? Does it? It totally helps with the topic. We're talking, we're talking about, about musicals. Yeah, we're talking about musical theater. <laughs> I'm Peter. And I'm Nathan. And yes, musical theater has gospel. And dancing boys. And fancy hats. So join us for the gospel of musical theater wherever you get your podcasts. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Atabotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.